You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Uh oh, look here, I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hello and welcome to The Edge, the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show on the Versus Network. I'm your host, Aaron Martin. This week, happy to have one of our very own Bass Edge Pro Staff team members, Mr. Mike Webb. Mike is going to join us to discuss his area of expertise, which is deep water fishing, specifically drop shotting. A lot of good stuff there. Also, we have the founder of the Cook's Go-To Tackle System, Mr. Daryl Cook. He's going to talk about all of the innovations that went into the design of this, as well as why that this tackle system is literally taking the country by storm. Uh, so a lot of great things for today, but a few updates. We've had a lot of emails, a lot of requests. You know, when are those Bass Edge DVDs going to be available? Well, let me share something with you. We had, because of uh, the agreement that we have with Versus, those cannot be released until the episodes have been viewed or aired on uh, the television show. So, with that being said, those are going to ship in March, and we have a tremendous amount of orders that have already piled in. So if you hadn't got your orders in yet, be sure to go to BassEdge.com or call the 800 number at 800-390-8780 and get your name on the list um, because those are going to be packed full of information that you do not want to miss out on. Also, uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about Jay McNamara, host of the In the Zone segment on Bass Edge. His new book is coming out. Well, we are literally on the eve of when that is going to take place. I've already tried calling Jay, getting on his schedule. We're going to have him as a guest here on the on the Edge uh, for a podcast to talk about how all those mental aspects really do impact uh, your fishing. One last thing uh, before we move on. If you have an idea or some thoughts on what you would like to see as a topic uh, covered on the website or potentially a show or something like that, please don't hesitate to shoot us an email at info at BassEdge.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at BassEdge.com. Coming up, Mr. Mike Webb. So make sure you stick around. He is going to be with us right after this short break. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. Recently had the opportunity to have a conversation with Mike, and uh, many of you probably know Mike and I do a little tournament fishing together, um, and he is an outright expert at any deep water tactic, uh, specifically drop shotting and spooning. Also, uh, probably one of the best all-around um, electronics programmers when it comes to programming your graph, um, on the on knowing how to locate those those bait fish. So without further delay, let's get to the interview with Mike Webb. All right, joining us today is one of our very own Bass Edge Pro Staff team members and co-hosts, also known for his expertise in deep water fishing, as well as personal friend of mine, Mike Webb. 
Mike, thanks so much for being here today. I'm glad to be here. I hope it's an interesting topic for people. It should be a little bit different than what they're used to. Well, and, and you know, when, when I wrote the article um, concerning this, I, t I titled it The Road Less Traveled uh, when talking about deep water fishing. And, you know, when you get into deep water fishing, it really has to do with where you're at. In other words, it's relative depending upon the body of water that you're in, different parts of the country uh, that you're in. But, you know, 12 or 15 feet may seem deep to most people, whereas if you go out west or, for instance, on Table Rock Lake, you know, where you spend a lot of time, uh, 40 to 80 feet might be considered deep. 40 to 80 foot is pretty much the common depth for us. Um, you know, we, we determine the depth where we're going to fish based on the, where the bait fish are. But you're right, it could, if, if you're on a shallower lake, you, you know, you may be used to fishing two to three foot deep or four foot deep around a dock or structure. Um, deep there might be 15 to 20 foot on a ledge. But what we're talking about uh, here is the 40 to 80 foot range, and it is a road less traveled because very few people turn around and throw out the other side of their boat. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Mike, I can remember growing up as typically a, or, or I should say, cutting my teeth in, in normal shallow waters. Any time that I head, headed to a clearer water, deeper reservoir, first thing I did, I ran up, ran up the river, you know, looking for stained water. And it just seemed like I was jockeying for positions come tournament time with all the other guys that did not want to, you know, stay down and, and figure out how to, how to catch bass in, in deep, clear water. Well, the majority of the tournaments that are fished around the country are fished in water that is stained. Um, but the clear water reservoirs are often overlooked, uh, the main lake part of them. And there's quite frankly, there's, I believe there's more fish there than there are in the rivers. There's a big an area, a bigger area for the fish. Mm -hmm. You just got to get away from the bank and get out there and find them. So before we get into the nuts and bolts, how in the world did you get into deep water fishing? Well, I, being a guide on Table Rock Lake, um, the resorts that are on Table Rock Lake are mainly on the mid-lake. And that's a big area, as you know, and the average depth of Table Rock is 75 foot. It goes up to over 200 foot deep. So with the clear water, the fish are more apt to be out in deeper water. So we, you know, we just mainly drop shot in the deep water with our clients. Uh, and it's a TV show. You know, it's a video game. That, with that being said, you don't want to, as taking clients out, you know, on a guide trip, you don't want to be putting them in the situation of having to make long runs or uh, either whether that be via a boat or right. driving around to the closest boat ramp up, you know, up the river. So really, I, I'm gathering that you more or less just kind of self-taught yourself when it when it comes to those techniques. Well, I'm not I'm not the originator of these techniques by any means. Uh, Table Rock Lake uh, has been since 1959 a deep water lake. And so I've learned from people prior to myself on how to do this. And, you know, you get clients a lot of times that get in your boat and they really don't know how to fish very well. They're inexperienced and that's why they've, that's why they've hired a guide. With that being said, you don't want them to have crankbaits and, you know, topwater lures slinging by your head or their head or their kid's head. So, you know, the best way to do that is to drop shot straight up and down. And it's the most productive by far and away. Well, and, and that does two things. One is, you know, A, it creates success. It helps them put fish in the boat, but it keeps their frustration level down from having to try and master, you know, making sure that you're presenting that bait if you're, you know, beating the bank going down the shoreline of trying to hit your targets. Whereas if, if you're fishing vertical or, or deep fishing, you're essentially, you're, you're kind of standing right over them. You know, the majority of the time that I deep fish, I see every fish I catch yeah. on the graph. And my clients will come up front with me especially if there's kids. They'll come up and, and we'll watch them and we'll watch the fish bite their bait. 
most of the fish I catch, like I said, I catch by sight. I, I catch them and set the hook by sight instead of feel. Having covered the, the generalities of deep fishing in your experience, Eric, let's, let's get into really the technique specific. You know, whenever I think of, of any approach to fishing, you know, you have to look at where do you start and from not only locations on a particular body of water, but also, you know, I know electronics play a major role uh, in this type of technique, but also then how to essentially rig and what terminal tackle to use for this. So can you jump in and, and just, you know, let, let's jump into those and cover those one at a time. Well, first of all, uh, trying to go in order with your question there, where do you fish? Where it's, you fish the same places you do if you go up a river. You just fish out deeper. You're going to go to the, cha- uh, the channel swings. You're going to go to the points. You're going to go to the pockets. You're going to go to the ledges, except you're going to be a lot deeper out. And instead of fishing 10 or 12 foot deep on a point in a river or less, I'm out there 40, 50 foot deep fishing for fish that don't get bothered. Um, you just do the same thing at a deeper depth. And, and the presentation, especially with my clients, is you just drop it down. It's a drop shot. You've got a sinker below a hook. It's probably the fastest growing style of fishing there is. And because it's so productive, it's so easy, and it's so inexpensive, uh, you put a hook above a sinker, and you can put a swivel above that to reduce your line twist if you like, and put a, a small minnow or worm bait on there. I prefer like the four-inch uh, needle worms, the chomper plum, things like that. And you drop it down, and you can see the fish. They're either going to be suspended, and if they are, you try to keep the bait above them because their eyes are focused on the top of their head, and they, they feed upwards most of the time. And if they're on the bottom, you take it to the bottom and you reel it just a little bit off the bottom so you can see your bait. And when you've got a kid in your boat and he's up front with you, the video game means nothing to him after he leaves the deck of the boat because when he sets the hook, it's real. He feels that. Well, and, and the, the, the funny thing about that is, you know, you were really one of the, the first ones that I got to experience this particular technique. And I can always remember the first time Matter of fact, I referenced this in the article. The first time that we went out, you had found or located a school of fish, and I recall it was actually right off of the inside edge of a point. Um, but we dropped the bait down, of which we watched the bait descend the entire time into the school of fish, and they were suspended above some treetops. And uh, sitting there watching it, you said, okay, get ready, three, two, one, jerk. And I literally didn't even feel the, the bite, per se, but because of your expertise and experience of having watched that so many times and watching those fish come up to the bait, you know, when I set the hook, that fish was there. Well, the thing about deep fishing, whether it be drop shotting or whatever, but most of the time drop shotting, the fish will never come from the top down and hit your bait. And you can see this happen. I've never had a fish go from above my bait down to it and hit it. They will come down to the bait, stop, and go over to it. Most of the time, though, they will come from below it and hit it at a very high rate of speed, and you won't feel that bite. In fact, my clients that are behind me back on the back deck of the boat, I'll look back, and the line is laying on top of the water because that fish has come up, knocked slack in the line, and they've never felt it. And, and that's why it's so important that you keep your finger on the line when you're moving the bait, and, you, and when you do move it, you just remember, you're just imitating a dying minnow or a worm, and there's not much action in that. So whenever you're, you put your finger on the line and you're moving that bait like that, you're not feeling for a pull down. You're feeling for the lack of resistance from your sinker. And that's most of the strikes. That's, how, that's what happens. Okay, you bring up a great point there. You know, you had said the, the basic components 
are the, the sinker, the hook, and a, a swivel if, if that is your preference. Talk a little bit about the weight of, and what type of sinker are, are we actually referring to. It's not just a bullet weight. I mean, Well, they make drop shot weights. Um, I don't use them simply because they're so expensive. And the old casting sinkers, we've catfished with them for years, but they're called casting sinkers. They're a barrel swivel, or a, they're a sinker with a barrel swivel in them. And that just eliminates a lot of line twists. And they're just like a nickel apiece, you know, and mm -hmm. they do the same thing. I try to stay with the three-eighths to the half ounce. And then uh, the distance between the sinker and the hook, I let the fish tell me that. But generally, it's 18 inches to two foot between the two. And the hook I use is a number four bait holder hook. Uh, Bass Pro Shop makes them, but uh, there's all kinds of hooks. Use a smaller hook. Try to use as small a hook as you can get away with. And then the, the swivel, I try to keep the swivel pretty close to the hook, like within three or four or five inches. That way when you're reeling up your line out of the water, the swivel doesn't go through the eyes at the end of your rod. Because you've got quite a leader out there, you know, uh, a distance. So sure. you don't, you don't want to ruin the tip of your rod. Um, and then I, when I use a worm bait, I hook it right through the middle. I just wacky style it. It gives it a lot more action because you're barely moving this bait anyway. And that gives both ends to move around like that. Um, that's just a common practice that we use here. And you can vary that. You know, nowadays uh, in the wintertime, I don't even use a sinker. I'll use a minnow bait at the bottom of it, like a, a grub or an ice bait or something like that for the weight instead of just the sinker. And then I'll put a couple of minnow baits above them, like the old sassy shads and things like that. So in the wintertime, I key more on the minnow type. And in the summertime, I key more on the, the night crawlers and the worm imitators. So on the sinker, is there any, uh, is it critical to have, you know, can you go overboard and have too heavy of a sinker or not have a heavy enough sinker? I, it's more important to have more weight than not enough. And that goes back to the lack of resistance you feel with your finger. The more weight you have on there, the easier it is for you to feel when it goes slack. I don't, I don't think that I would go up above a half ounce for a sinker, though. Um, half ounce to three-eighths seems to work just right. Now, when you're tying this on, one of the questions that gets asked is, how do you tie this hook in the middle of the line? Well, first of all, you tie your line to a, a, a swivel, if you prefer one, and you leave about a three-foot tag line on there. And then you just tie a palomar knot on the hook in the middle of that, and so you've got another tag line at the end of that, and you just tie your sinker on that. Is now, that there do? is... Normally, you want the hook or the, the barb of the hook with the open side facing up. Is that, is that correct? If you use a number four bait holder hook that Bass Pro makes and you tie it and you run your line through the back side of the hook, it will stand out properly every time. Okay. Okay. If you have problems with the hook you're using to where it's like upside down when you tie the right. knot, just roll the knot around if you can. Experiment with it. Sometimes you can run the line back through the eye. Okay, and then back down to the sinker. And so in other words, after you have it tied on, you just make another pass through it. Another pass through the eye, yeah, and that will bring it back down. But you're right, you either need it to be horizontal or uh, as a hook normally would look. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can tie them on there and they'll be upside down. Of course, you're not going to get a hook set that sure. way. But it's an easy, easy thing, and there is not an easier or more productive way or safer way to take a kid fishing, either off the end of a dock or in your boat. There's no casting involved. You drop it straight down and put a live worm on that, oh, hang on. Okay. What about as far as line? 
uh, I use a fluorocarbon line, Bass Pro, Seaguar, any of the fluorocarbon lines. Um, I, with the clarity of our water, Aaron, it's, I stay with a six or an eight pound test. Okay. Um, fluorocarbon, any, any particular preference there? Uh, I try to stay with Bass Pro's line. Uh, it's done me well. But I mean, as far as is there more, uh, the reason why you would you use fluorocarbon instead of let's say mono or braid or something like that. The reason I use fluorocarbon on almost everything, but especially on the deep fishing, is because of the lack of stretch in it, and it's such a, a a slight bite, if you will, on deep fishing, and you're so far away from your bait that you need to feel that. And monofilament has so much stretch to it and give to it, you miss a lot of bites. Fluorocarbon is a must if you're going to be doing this. Okay, what about rod and reel? That's your own preference. That's your own preference. I, uh, I, use, a, I use a six foot rod. A okay. lot of people use a seven, but when I'm drop shotting, I use a six foot medium action rod, spinning rod. Uh -huh. And the reason I do that is, is I'm relatively tall and I stand up and I can point the rod down to the water and keep the rod tip just above the water and I can and shake it just barely, you know. And like we stated earlier, when that fish hits that bait, he comes up and he knocks two or three foot of slack in it. So by having my rod pointed at the water with that short rod, I'm able to do that. I can pull up and get a hook set and take up that slack he's knocked in my line that way. If I have a seven-foot rod or something, it's not straight up and down. I can't reach up as far. For me, it works the best that way. And that's, that's what I prefer to use. And I use when I'm using spinning reels, especially drop shotting, I like to go with the bigger spools. You know, you're three and four thousand. Um, it's wrapped around the spool less time, so you have less memory, and, and it takes up the line faster, too, as well, as you know. Um, as far as the reel, one thing I want you to, to key on, because this is a, a tip that you had passed on to me, was the anti-reverse, you know, of, of being able to, where that reel doesn't, after you, once you trip that bale, you know, I, I had to experience it the hard way. Uh, after I tripped that bale, then it backed off on a, on a hook set. It caused me to lose a couple fish. Yeah, there, there's a lot of spinning reels out there that are very, very good spinning reels, but they do not have a ba an anti-reverse. And what that means is there's a quarter of a turn in your handle or something when you set the hook. You, you really can't have that drop shotting. You need an instant hook set on that. Um, those reels are perfectly fine for a lot of things. If you do use those reels, you'll need to back the handle up to the stopping point every time you drop it but an anti-reverse is you know in my opinion is a must okay so we, we've covered the tackle um what about where is a starting point let's say if an individual is going to uh try to to break into learning this technique what would you suggest or recommend that areas that they look for on their home bodies of water um, kind of as a starting point well when drop shotting was first invented um, it was invented not for up and down, straight up and down. It was casting like a Carolina rig. And a lot of the places that people fish, you know, they may not be in a situation where they're going to fish 40 or 80 foot deep, but that drop shot still will work in any water, any time. And what they need to do, I think, is just go to the points, the pockets or anything, and cast it, and cast it out there. And the advantage this bait has rigged up this way is the sinker is below the hook. So the hook will stay above the vegetation or the rocks and things like that. So you're less likely to get hung up. You know, when they invented this, when the, I think the Japanese invented this, he made it to where the bait would stay above the vegetation, the grass, instead of getting hung up. And that's where it got its start. And, man, 
it's taken off, and rightly so. Well, and I know, I mean, that is a great point, because I've been down south fishing some shallow grass, and you can literally, that's the beauty of being able to adjust the distance. The depth. Yes. Yeah. Because then you can you cast it out there, and if you keep that tension, I mean, they just come out of that grass and just whack it. Yeah, it's and it's you can use a bigger hook on them down there and put those sinkos and sluggos and and all those flukes and things above that matted grass and stuff. But that's what it's great for. It's not just deep water fishing. I've just about done away with Carolina rigging. I, I just about do this instead of that now. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's what amazes me about this technique. A is it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. It, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's something that although the media, we have a way of, you know, of making something more complex than it is, this is really a simplistic way to, to catch bass. Simplest way there is. It's as easy as using a hook and a bobber. Yep. It's that easy. Let's transfer over now into the electronics and and this is especially a critical point when talking about drop shotting vertically yes you know give us a little i know you and eric prey have done a great job on the electronics 101 through 104 as far as selecting a graph but let's go into a little bit about um highlighting some of those things that people need to be aware of on their graph how many megahertz and then you know some of the things of programming the biggest question I get asked is how much power does my unit need to have to be able to see my bait and the answer to that if I had to use general terms 2400 watts you're going to be able to see your bait 30 to 40 foot deep uh, and that's generally enough for most places from so, my perspective Mike what is what is the watts what does that actually mean? that just tells you the power in the receiver or the unit that's okay. the power it has in its unit and vertical pixels that's going to show you the definition on your screen um, the vertical pixels to have a good defined one you need 240 or more I prefer the units that are 4,000 watts and 480 vertical pixels but I would be able to see my bait at a thousand foot you know that's probably exaggerating some but it's more than I will ever need but if you're crappie fishing or if you're bass fishing in 30 foot or less of water 2400 watts with 240 vertical pixels is going to do you just fine. If you, if you can imagine a flashlight in a closet, that's going to do you just fine. But if you take that flashlight and put it in a dark auditorium, you're not going to see hardly anything. That's the difference between 2400 watts and 4000 watts when you get above 40 feet. You're working with a lot more power and you're going to see your bait more defined at a deeper depth. But the 240 watts that it has 30 or 40 foot deep, you can see your bait and you can see the fish. And you talk about something to crappie fish with. For those people that like to crappie fish on a brush pile, 20 foot deep, watch your bait go down, set the hook by sight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take so you, you can apply this to everything, bluegill fishing, whatever. Yeah. What, what are the past beyond just the, the wattage or the, or the power? Um, let's get into, you know, what type of transducer, because they make the skimmer, they make the, you know, the kind that's actually built in directly into the, the trolling motor. How critical is that for, for drop shotting? Well, I have my likes, and, and I do not like a unit that has a built-in transducer in the trolling motor. Um, those are great for shallow water fishing where you don't have to worry about knocking a transducer off when you hit stumps. That's great for that. But I do not like it for deep water fishing. I prefer a what is called a skimmer puck. It's shaped like a teardrop, and it sets off your, the head of your trolling motor a couple of inches with a, with a bracket. And what you're able to do with that is you're able to move it and adjust it according to, if you have two people in the back of your boat and you're up front, 
your cone angle is different than if it's just you in the front of your boat. So you can adjust it. That cone angle is based, I mean, it shoots where it's going to shoot. So if you add a full tank of gas or a half a tank of gas in your boat, that's going to change your cone angle too. Okay, it doesn't stay the same. So by having the ability to adjust that cone angle is very important to me, especially when my clients are in the boat. I'll move it to where I can see them in the back of the boat and tell them when to set the hook. You know, it was, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But there is a disadvantage to that if you're going to get up and bump stumps and things like that because you will knock it off of there because it's offset from the trolling motor head. So interpret the cone angle whenever you see that in your owner's manual on your piece of electronics. Cone angle, uh, it varies on the sensitivity, but the meats and potatoes of a cone angle is 34.7% of your depth, roughly one-third of your depth. So let's say we're fishing in 100 foot of water. The base of that cone, and it goes down like a triangle or a funnel, the base of that cone is going to be 33 foot wide at the base. It's one-third as wide as it is deep. That's your meat and potatoes of it. It's going to show things out farther away from that, the higher you turn sensitivity up, but that's the meat and potato of it. A okay. um, little bit about fish symbols, uh, fish ID. I can make that, I can sum that up pretty quick. You don't ever want to see something that looks like a fish symbol on your graph. That's just a good selling tool. It's worked great for years, but everything that transducer bounces off of returns as a fish. Many, many times people have come up and said, I've fished for these fish for an hour over this forest here, and I haven't got a bite, and, and what they've been fishing for is a tree. And they'll say, well, these fish are stacked on top of each other. They're all over. Fish do not stack on top of each other. It's just the transducer bouncing off the tree over and over and over and over again. The first thing you have to do when you get a unit is to take it off of fish ID and learn what it looks like without it. And then if you've got a decent graph, and you can get a decent graph for 250 300 bucks, You don't have to spend 1000 Then you can see your bait. You can watch the fish move in a brush pile. I mean, it's I go to sleep at night seeing these visions <laughs> in my head. It's like watching movies, and it's just it's addictive. So now that we've established the power and the, and the, the type of transducer and, and interpreted the cone angle, what about give us some rule of, rules of thumb on what to have the sensitivity set on and some general programming techniques. Well, that's, that's a good point to make because sensitivity is the power you put into a unit is basically what it is to, or what you want out of the unit, I should say. Sensitivity should always be set as high as you can without interference. So I run it up to interference and back it off a little. And you're going to change your sensitivity based on your depth because picture this. If you're in 100 foot of water and you're wanting to see what's on the bottom, you've got to turn more power into it, okay? So you've got a lot more power into that unit, and then you get up to 30 foot of water, you've got the same power and less distance, you're going to get a lot of interference. So you do have to adjust that. You can put it on auto sensitivity, and it will, it will guess on the right sensitivity, and it does a pretty good job of that. However, it tries to filter out unused objects, and sometimes it will, you know, it might filter out a fish symbol or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but for the novice, I'd put it on auto sensitivity. It will try to adjust itself. You get more comfortable with the unit, put it on manual. That way you can adjust it where you want, when you want. That's what I like to do. Sure. And then, you know, one of the things that I always look at is it's, it's critical to be able to see that bait. And a lot of times, you know, we're watching the sinker, the bait, 
and the hook, or I'm sorry, the sinker, the bait, and the swivel, you can see all three things. And watch the fish hit the bait. And, and watch those come up and hit the bait. Yeah, it's amazing. And you can watch them, sometimes they'll even come up and hit the sinker, and you can watch them do that. So, I mean, you know, whenever you, you talk about fishing and drop shotting and fishing deep, any last fi few things to, to sum up here to, to give us some pointers uh, when investigating into the technique? Don't be afraid to try something different. You know, you can talk to people about this technique, and you've been there and you've seen it happen now. Um, you've got to experiment with this. Um, and don't, I don't go out every day and catch fish deep fishing. You know, I'll go out some days and catch 40 or 50 and go out the next day. And I, and I might catch one or two, maybe. The fish are going to be a finicky on some days, so don't let it get you down. Start out at 60 foot deep. If you have a deep water reservoir or 30 foot deep, whatever your reservoir has in it, and work your way up. You know, are they on that point? Are they on the side of that point? And if you don't see any fish, drop your bait down anyway. Drop it to the bottom and reel it up real slow just till you get a view of it. Because no transducer or no unit is going to show you the true bottom. Mm -hmm. Your bait will disappear before it stops falling. Reel it up to where you can see the bait and see if something comes up with it. There's a lot of fish that you don't see on your graph that are laying on the bottom. Yeah, that's a great point. I've noticed that before. Spoon fishing that when you bang it off the bottom. Yeah. You know, the beauty of, of, of drop shotting is that if when you have the privilege of being in a lake that has all three species, and now I know Table Rock actually has four species with the mean mouth, but I haven't seen a bass that will not respond to it. You know, it works on smallmouth, largemouth, spotted bass, Kentuckys. Um, is there a particular time of year when it works better than others, or is it a year-round technique? It is a year-round technique. It's one of the few baits uh, out there. Uh, styles of fishing that you can use year-round. You can use a Carolina rig year-round, as you know. Mm -hmm. You have to adjust a few things on it, the depth and the bait you throw. Um, but no, if there's one bait, one style of fishing, I use 12 months out of the year, far and away a drop shot. What about as far as high skies versus cloudy skies, wind, no wind, does that affect? You know, if I had to pick a day, um, well, let's use Table Rock for an example. If I had to pick a day on Table Rock to go fishing, in the wintertime, let's say, I want high sky and no wind. That's going to bring the shad up, and that's going to activate the fish. Um, if I'm going to pick a day in the summertime where it's already warm outside, I'm going to want a little bit of clouds and a little bit of wind, not a lot, because um, it's hard to stay on top of those fish if it gets too windy. Um, and if you find shad uh, in a relatively shallow area, I don't mean 150, 200 foot deep, but you find shad in 80 foot or less, you're generally going to find fish and most of the time, those fish will be on either side, above or under. Generally, they're not right in the middle of the shed. Um, not, n not generally. So I will, you'll see them if they're above them on your graph, and you'll see them on each end of it. Drop it down below them and see what happens. And see how many fish come off the bottom that you didn't know were there. Get ready to get your arms jerked. Oh, it, you've been there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I, th I think, you know, in, in summarizing, the beauty of, of drop shotting and the technique is that it's so versatile, but also it can be enjoyed by anybody. Oh, it's so easy. You know, you don't have to have a physical, you know, stature or have a certain technique of, of how to be able to cast and those type of things. But uh, I think you certainly have demonstrated that time and time again. Unfortunately, Mike, that is all the time that we have. I can promise you, though, uh, we will have you back on because I would like to talk more in detail, not only about electronics, but spoon fishing, and there's so many more things to cover. But for now, that's all the time we have. Thanks so much for being part of the Bass Edge Podcast. Thanks for having me, Aaron. I appreciate it.
We need to uh, take a short break, and we will be right back with the originator and founder of Cook's Go-To Tackle System, Mr. Daryl Cook. Stay with us. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Hello and welcome back. It's time for our weekly giveaway. So if you have sent in your registration, then your name has officially been entered into our drawing for this week. For those of you who are possibly listening for the first time, each week on The Edge, we have a drawing for a prize provided by our sponsors. To register for that prize, you just need to send in an email to podcast at bassedge.com. Again, that is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at bassedge.com. Most importantly, in the subject line, make sure you put product giveaway and be sure to include your name and address in the body of the email so we know where to ship the prize if you win. This week, we have products from Cook's Go-To Tackle Systems. Uh, This is the revolutionary tackle system that has truly taken the industry by storm, and it mounts directly under your storage compartment lids, allowing you to maximize that valuable space that all anglers uh, require to have in your boat. Make sure we have enough room to haul all that tackle around. But the winner of this week's prize package is John Kraft of Columbus, Georgia. So congratulations, John. Uh, You have some great products from Cook's Go-To Tackle Systems headed your way a little bit later this week. So be sure to look out for that. Now, each week we delete all the previous entries and start fresh, and there is no limitation to how many times you can enter and win. Although we do ask that you only enter in one time per week. So if you did or did not win this week, make sure, send us another email to podcast at bassedge.com. Again, with the subject line, product giveaway. Include your name and address, and you will have another opportunity to win next week. Okay, we are going to take one more short break, and then we will be right back to speak with Daryl Cook, the originator of the Cook's Go-To Tackle Storage System. So don't go away. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. All right, joining us now is Daryl Cook of Cook's Go-To Tackle System. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to be here, Aaron. It's my pleasure. How are you doing today? Uh, We're doing great. Why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about how you, or what the product is and how you came up with this design. I was about 20, 20 plus years ago, and I started experimenting with different designs, in different makeshift products to try to figure out a way to store my baits that I most often used in my boat to, to save time. And after several years of playing around, uh, Leroy Perkins and I, my partner, we came up with the design that the Cooks is now. 
and we found it to work uh, great, and that's why we decided to go on the market with it. Uh, the product itself is made out of ABS plastic, and the reason it's made out of ABS plastic is I wanted to make certain that spearbait skirts and worm trailers would not stick to it. Because, you know, we've all had those boxes where our plastics melted in them, and I didn't yep. need anything to stick to the cooks. And the shape and, and length accommodated most storage compartment lids because uh, each set will, will handle up to 24 baits. And it's just, you know, they're, they're right there at your fingertips. You pop up the lid and go to them, and, and, and that's how I come up with the go-to system. Well, and, you know, one of the things that, that I, in, in using it, you know, by being able to place the, the Cook's Tackle System, go-to tackle system, directly under the lids of the boat, you know, it turns space that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to use. Plus, you've got the con convenience of having the bait right there at your fingertips. Absolutely, and and that was one thing that I was looking for because I had carried so many tackle boxes in my boat, and after I went with the, the cook system, in my personal boat, I eliminated over seven tackle boxes, and I eliminated my worm. I uh, used to carry a big worm pouch that, that I would carry different worms in, and I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, they don't have room for the cooks. And I said, well, if you use them, you'll have room because you'll eliminate them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I, would, I used to... Being notorious, I'd open up my spearbait box, I'd reach in, grab one spearbait, and you pull out anywhere from two to six more. And I found that by using my system, my spearbaits are allowed to dry upside down, so it prolongs the life of the skirt, keeps it bloused out more. And when I go to get one bait, I get one bait now. I, I don't pull out six out of a box and have to untangle six. And, and I term it fish a lot. Uh, not as, long, as much as I'd like to, uh, but it you know it adds 20 minutes at least to my day. Sure. Uh, and it and it's definitely going to add time to the normal guy's day. Well, and you brought up a good point um, just a second ago when talking about hanging a, a spinner bait or a jig on it. You know, by because of the way that that the hook hang on hangs on there, it allows that skirt to basically hang upside down. And if you ever notice, especially on the silicone skirts, um, you know, if if you have it stored in a bag or in a tackle box that mashes that skirt down whereas that what the cooks allows it to do is hang upside down so that it whenever that bait is coming through the water whether it be a jig or a spinner bait you know it's already got the kind of that pre-spring built into uh allowing that skirt to pulse and to really like you said blossom out um you know and be more of an attractant to the fish and causes the the skirts to last longer uh, absolutely i mean spinner baits are very expensive now and, and you know I don't like my skirt to just be hanging straight down with no life to it. Right. And that's one reason I designed it. When you close your lid, the hook is enclosed, it's protected. There's not anything for it to hang on to. And my skirt is drying straight down, uh, upside down rather. And when I tie it on, then it's got that natural, uh, I call it reversed umbrella effect. I don't know sure. if that's the proper word for it or not. But uh, but it. Uh, I'm very pleased with it. And uh Every Wednesday morning and Sunday mornings, if I'm at home and not at work or at church, I'm watching your shows, and and I'm really glad that, that you used the cooks and called me and gave me the opportunity to be part of Bass Edge, because uh, I'm excited about it. Well, it was just, uh, again, I mean, it just goes to show you, I mean, I was trying to come up with a way, because I do love to fish spinnerbaits. Of course, I like to fish jigs. I like to have my, my baits there readily accessible, including the plastics. But the other thing that I've gained from it is, 
you know, not only can you store them there permanently, but also whenever I'm fishing a tournament or things like that, it gives me the opportunity by having enough of those systems on my lids, I can almost on my, uh, you know, on the lid that's where I keep my tackle boxes, I can actually put my baits there that I know that I'm going to be using throughout the day so that I don't have to go in, drop down into my tackle boxes and get them. So you can almost create a revolving um, you know, tackle storage system to, to replenish that with the baits that are specific to the tournament or the day that you're going to be fishing. And, man, I just got a lot out of that. Um, but also, you know, you hear a lot about, I know the system that I made, it, it was pretty worthless because in rough water, you know, when I got into some waves, all I wound up with all my spinner baits and jigs and plastics down in the bottom of my compartments. Talk a little bit about, you know, how they how that it holds up in rough water with keeping the baits up. Well, the, the way it's designed, and it's hard for me to explain this, that I actually showed to someone, but it, it's not a, just a simple channel with one hole in it. It has got, your, your hook will actually go through two holes when you put in the cook system, and when you, when you close the lid, the, the last hole that your hook goes through is a small small hole and when your bait is bouncing up when you're in real rough water and your bait is bouncing up the small hole on the back side of the channel helps protect the bait from swinging around and coming out the front hole and it's the, the two hole system per hook is what is the key to it that keeps it in i mean uh uh you know i experimented with the uh, with just a plain j channel cutting uh, drilling holes in it and I'd found the baits would bounce out because there's only one hole. Well, the, the, the back hole, when the bait bounces up, swings into that, and that's what keeps the bait locked in. And uh, it's, it'll stay there in rough water. In fact, I just sent you an email a little bit ago that I thought you'd appreciate. A fisherman in Florida trying to get his bass club buddies to buy the cooks, and they've been skeptical on it. Well, he fished a tournament Sunday in real rough water, and they got back to the ramp. This local club, about 20 boats in it, and uh, like I said, I just forwarded you this email. He said his buddies all come up and said, well, we want you to open your lids. Prove it to us. <laughs> he opened his lids, and he told me, he said, Daryl, I'm going to see you at the Classic. He said, i got to pick up a bunch of cooks because all my guys now are convinced. And all his baits and his worm bags were there where he put them at. And talk a little bit about the the, the worm bags and the plastic bags that you know you send hooks with with the system. Yeah, our system will come with 12 bait hanger rings, and the bait hanger rings will work in either rack, because both racks are injected molded, come out of a double cavity mode. And what you can do with these bait hanger rings, uh, what I do personally with mine, and what I recommend is any of your soft plastics that come in a bag, just simply put your four or five bags of your plastics, worm hooks, worm sinkers, whatever on, on, on the rings, and I will color code mine. I will put my certain colors on certain rings, and I may have five bags on one ring, and when I want that bait, instead of opening the ring up, I just take one hand and pinch the bag open, reach in and get my bait, and I'm back to fishing. And something you'd mentioned earlier about uh, utilizing the system for your go-to baits, when I originally went to the market with the product, my goal was, was to have it for your go-to baits. After I started using the product in my boat, I started putting more and more of my baits on there because I seen how well it was working. I leave a rack empty in my boat, so when I'm pre-fishing, then I decide on what I'm going to use. I'll move all these others. I'll, I'll move my go-to baits to that, that empty one now. So 
So now I think I'm running a total of uh, 12, which would be six sets. I'm running six sets in my boat now. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's the exact same approach that I take. And uh, you know, most wouldn't you say the average is going to be it? It'll take about if you want to completely you know furnish uh, the front deck um, with all of your compartments. It'll take about four to six sets. Yeah, most guys and, and most guys that order have never seen this product, and they and most of them order two sets. And I've noticed in the last three and a half years, I've had a lot of lot of repeat customers because they're adding adding to their boat. And sometimes I'll get guys that order as many as six sets, and I've called them up and uh, to make sure they didn't push the wrong button on their order form, and they said, "Oh no, I I got plenty of room for these six sets." Sure. Uh, I'd recommend a guy starts with two. And then he'll be back for more. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no question. And that's the reason I offer 100% money back guarantee. It's not a 30-day guarantee. It's not a 10-day guarantee. If they buy the cooks, and six months from now they decide they don't like them, if they've got the receipt, I'll give them their money back. Well, and that just goes to show you that the faith and you know that that you have in the product, and I know I can certainly attest to that too. And uh, I just think that speaks volumes about the design. Uh, that went into this product because it, it is truly amazing. Quickly, before we run out of time, I want to make sure that we cover uh, installation because there's a couple different, actually I think there's about three different ways that this can, can be installed uh, to the lids of the boat. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, the, the most convenient way, and the majority of bass boats out there now have an exposed channel support brace underneath their lids. And that's the simplest way to install it they just simply hold the cooks up to where they want that on that channel. My instructions that comes with the package will tell them what size grill bit to pre-drill their, their hose because the screws that I supply are self-tapping. They're not self-grilling. So per the instructions, drill your pilot hole and then just simply screw these, uh, a screw into each end. And it takes maybe a total of three minutes you can install a complete set. Um, and then a lot of guys, I do not supply the 3M tape um, due to just shipping and, and storage and everything else. A lot of guys have been using the 3M heavy-duty uh, exterior tape. I think it's red label, I believe. Red label. Yep. Uh, and, and you'll make sure it's the heavy-duty exterior. It comes one inch wide. And just put a strip of it on back to cooks. Of course, the key to it is cleaning both surfaces. Properly clean them. And they use the uh, 3M tape. A lot of guys that change their boat as often, they 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 want to keep them with their new boat. Uh, and then also too, Pro Softbake glue, I've experimented with. And if you clean the surfaces, the Pro Softbake glue will definitely hold them on there. Uh, but if you use the glue, be sure you put them where you want them <laughs> because they're there. Right. Right. And. Uh, Okay. But the, the screw method is, is what I prefer because it'll be there as long as the boat is is in service. Okay. What about uh, uh, retail price on those? Nineteen ninety five uh, per set. Again, you get two of the twelve inch racks that will accommodate twenty four baits, along with the twelve bait hanger rings that you can put as many bags of plastic for rings you want to. That's uh, a s small price to pay considering how valuable that storage space is in, inside your boat and just the access like we've talked about before. Well, Dale, uh, real quick on, on our closing here, how can, uh, how can our listeners find out more information um, as well as ordering of the Cook's Go-To Tackle System? Well, they can go to Bass Edge, of course, or they can go to www.cooksgoto.com. 
They can read up on the cook system, uh, view several pictures of people's boat, and then just click on the order page, and it'll take them directly to Bass Edge, and the product will ship out. Uh, if the order's placed before 3 o'clock, it ships out the same day, priority mail, or it'll go out the following business day, priority mail. So normally in two to three days, uh, you know, through your website, uh, Bass Edge, they will uh, have the product at their doorstep. Great. Well, Daryl, I wish we had more time, but uh, we're simply out of time. Thanks so much uh, for being on the edge. Well, I appreciate it, and I'll see you Sunday morning on TV. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you. Well, again, we have reached that uh, point in our show where we are simply out of time. Hard to believe. But it's always good to have you here on the edge. want to thank uh, not only Mike Webb for his expertise, but thank you, Daryl, for joining us. And if you hadn't had a chance to look at our television show on the Versus Network, be sure to tune in at 7.30 a.m. on Wednesdays and 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings every week. Both of those are Central Standard Time. For plenty of additional information, don't forget our website at BassEdge.com. Next week, we are going to be joined by Roger Lee Brown, uh, commonly known as the Bass Coach, where we had a chance to uh, sit down and talk with him after Lake Champlain. Also on the docket is David Chumway, as well as Adam Heindorf from the MegaWare Keel Guard Company to talk about uh, protecting that keel of your boat, but also their new products that they have out uh, called the Skeg Pro and the Scuff Buster. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.